Do it. Do it. Welcome to the Austin Otaku Podcast, hosted by Jesse McDonald and Keith Good. Welcome back to the Austin Otaku Podcast, everyone. My name is Jesse McDonald, joined once again by the scruffy nerf herder, Keith Good. Keith, how you doing? That's our word, buddy. That's our word. <laughs> I'm well. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm very good. Very excited for a, a time of recording this going into a long weekend. Yeah, yeah. No, this is going to be a good weekend. Always looking forward to these uh, these two-day breaks and, and a little bit of respite. And then you add a third day on top of that, and I'm giddy. I am so giddy. Can you tell? I'm excited to have extra days where I wake up at the same time to feed my kid, but don't have to rush to go to a meeting. <laughs> Wait till you get older. You get up early anyway, and it's not really much of a choice at that point. You're like, well, all right, I'm up. That's my big running joke is that even when my parents take her for a couple of days, I still wake up at the exact same time with my alarm off. So I don't sleep anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, very excited for our guest this week. Uh, this week's guest is Cami Roebuck, an actress, filmmaker, and cosplayer with the MHC Workshop, a family-owned and operated shop for all things nerd, including props, home decor, and accessories. In her free time, Cami is a huge fan of movies, reading, and games. And a little fun fact, recently she built a Death Stranding-themed PC that actually got a lot of attention across the web. So she had a little moment of of going viral with this extremely cool PC build. So welcome to the show, Cami. Thank you. I'm excited <laughs> to be on it. We're excited to have you. So how things been, Cam? Uh, you and I have known each other for, for many years. Many moons. Yeah. Uh, been good. How, how have things been with you guys? Very good. Very good. <laughs> uh, decided to use a quarantine to start a podcast, so not bad. I Heck yeah. <laughs> so not for, bad. For for our, uh, what are we up to, 30 listeners now, Keith? So for our 30 listeners, tell us a little bit about yourself personally and professionally. All right. Well, um, oh my goodness, my dog wanted to tell you about it. <laughs> um, uh, well, I was a professional level cosplayer for uh 15 years-ish. Uh, I've been attending cons for 15 years since I was like seven. Um, and then the last half of those 15 years, I sort of pursued it at a professional level, um, just where I was a guest at cons and all that. And um, more recently, in the last three or four years, um, I've been uh, making films and acting and stuff. Uh, so yeah, I think, did that that cover me <laughs> i think i think that covered you i, I um, like her. i mean that's another big thing about me <laughs> i think it's a, i think it's a logical progression going from cosplay to doing you know your own movies now and and starring yeah, in, in various roles yeah so that, yeah. i think it, it makes a lot of sense and speaking yeah, of which two different you, versions of playing pretend so yeah, I think so. And um, you, you just don't have the people running up to you and, and glomping you at cons like they would yeah. otherwise, yes. right? <laughs> well, they get real friendly on a set really fast, which is a bit of a fascinating thing to kind of learn. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that, you've actually got something coming out in October. Am I correct in that? 
Really? Yes. Uh, my short film that I filmed this time last year, actually, uh, Ghosted, is I'm releasing it on my YouTube channel uh, October 1st. Um, and I had to wait because it's uh, been doing festivals, which is pretty cool. So Nice. Yeah. That's really good. So you did an entire movie about my dating life. That is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kind of. <laughs> it is How on did... that topic of actual ghosting. So I yeah. see. Okay. Not the figurative stuff that happens on, you know, say match or whatever. So that's, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So uh, of all of the costumes that you've done in, in cosplay, um, do you have a particular favorite that really just sort of, you were like, I hit this one out of the park and just completely dominated? Oh my God. Um, I think I have two top favorites. Um, the one that sort of, um, I guess you, well, it sounds really kind of cocky. Um, the one that catapulted my cosplay career, <laughs> uh, probably my Effie trinket from Catching Fire, the second Hunger Games movie, the butterfly mm -hmm. dress. Oh, yeah. Um, that one really kind of put me on on the cosplay map, I guess. So um, I, I personally feel like I must have killed that one. <laughs> Well, <laughs> and if I'm remembering correctly, I think the cool part about it was that you made the costume before the movie came out, right? Yeah, yeah, we did. And we were working on like bad pixely little like trailer stills and stuff like that. And um, actually, I have kind of a funny story about working on that. We um, in looking for reference stuff, I was at Target with a friend and they had some Hunger Games like movie books. And there was one that I picked up and it had like perfect flawless pictures of the dress we were working on and um so i picked it up and we were checking out and the uh the guy scanned it and kind of like it's like oh no and i was like what and he was like this isn't actually for sale yet it got put out a week early by mistake and i was like i will pay you whatever you ask for i need this book and I, <laughs> you know, we and I was like, I need this picture. I will do anything. You don't even have to put it through like the system. I'll pay you under the table. And uh, he was like, well, I'll figure it out. And so I, I managed to get the book. But uh, so, yes, it was very weird working on it with no movie reference. And, and I mean, you <laughs> nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. The, the comic shop, which is how Cammy and I know each other. We frequented yeah. a the same comic shop from where I'm from before I moved to Texas which that whole group was basically a, like a family where we're, we're yeah. all still very much family and connected. Um, but I remember when that came out, when you did that initial cosplay, we were all like, holy shit, she nailed it. Movie's well, not even out yet. And she nailed it. <laughs> it was funny because I, um, I wore it to the first Pensacon in mm -hmm. uh, Pensacola, Florida. And I got dressed and that morning, like first thing we went straight to the three alarm comics booth, which was that's the comic shop. And uh, no one recognized me. My <laughs> The people that I have grown up with didn't realize it was me until mom and dad came up behind me in that costume. So that yeah. was kind of funny. A hundred percent. It was crazy. Yeah. It was absolutely insane. But uh, um, that's actually one of my favorites. My, my second one that to finish answering the question, kind of, even though we've gone way off, off on stuff. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> is Batwoman is one of my absolute favorite. Oh, costumes. that one's good, too. Yeah, that was that, that was really good yeah. and don't worry about going off the rails on the show we go off the rails more than the mummy and bubba hotep so you know <laughs> we live off the rails good cool 
<laughs> and so you mentioned, uh, and I don't know how much you want to go into this, but I've always found this really fascinating about, mm -hmm. you know, kind of your creative world. But you mentioned your mom and dad coming up behind you. Uh, and you come from an insanely creative family. I've never met another group of people who are a parent child dynamic that are this creative and close to each other. Um, can you tell us a little bit about about that kind of yeah, life and um, living with that? Yeah, well, um, well, my dad's a professional clown um, who goes under Inky the Clown, and he has been for, God, I think like, I think we're at 40 years now. Um, that sounds right. Yeah. And uh, my mom is an artist. Um, she actually owns a storage facility, like daytime, but <laughs> the rest of the time she's an artist. Um, and uh, she used to do faux painting and stuff like that. And uh, she does everything now, just about every craft you can think of. She has mastered and moved on to something else. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, I've just, I think I either could have grown up to be an accountant or I was going to grow up to be like an even weirder version of both of their creativity. <laughs> I think you can find either way with that weirdness. So, and yeah. it's it's really interesting too because the the cosplay road that you kind of went down, they picked that up with you. Like I remember when I met you and your dad, uh, you were you were dressed as Hit Girl and he was yeah. Big Daddy yeah. from the the Kick Ass franchise. And I was like, okay, these two they're just kind of hanging out together. Oh no, never mind. That is a father daughter pair, and so they funny. are incredible. Ages and everything. I loved those. That was my. Those are another favorite actually up there with. Effie and Batwoman and stuff. Those those um, were good. Thank you. Those are those were really really fun. Um, I actually got into all of the the cosplay and stuff uh, because of my mom because she was really into comic books growing up, and um, she got me into comics. And I had to be Rogue from X Men. Like I couldn't function in my life if I were not Rogue. <laughs> so, so when I was seven, she let me you know bleach the front of my hair and made me a costume and everything. So she really kind of started it. And I mean, like I said, my with my dad being a professional clown, his whole career is in a costume. So um, as I started, you know, cosplaying more and more stuff, I started roping him in. And he actually, he is not into comics or any of that stuff. And I just would, be, you know, go into his office and be like, hey, I need you to wear this. And he was just like, okay, whatever. <laughs> so... Uh, he any character I've asked him to dress as he did not know until I made him put on the outfit. <laughs> the mm, okay, whatever is the most yeah. Jeff response ever. Sure. That's so funny. That is fantastic. Yeah, he's just along for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> as, as someone so with a, a new daughter myself, I I I feel that vibe. I get it. Oh yeah, just wait. It'll she'll be dressed up eventually. So. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be one of the sailor characters sailor mars or whatever yeah, yeah. Man. or one of the cats be one of the cats okay <laughs> I'll, I'll send her your way and jen isn't going to or jen is going to let this happen totally we already yeah, have totally. a sailor jupiter outfit for her when she turns six months i think so that was my favorite heck yeah yeah so I that picture that one. <laughs> oh yeah pictures will happen don't worry i saw her little her little hogwarts onesie too that oh yeah, the, we. So, that's the best part about being a nerd parent is that it's pretty <laughs> easy to get uh, nerdy onesies yeah. uh, and have your child cosplay every day. Yeah. Uh, so and uh, we don't care. We we're we don't give a shit about 
you know, oh, this is a boys onesie, whatever. So we just oh, bought her a ton yeah. of Star Wars and Harry Potter onesies, even if they were boys. So that's basically what she wears every day. It's great. She was yeah. Darth Vader this morning. Heck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know that I sent you a lot of uh, the Sith uh, onesies. Yes. You know, just I'm I'm trying to to hedge my bets with your daughter here, making sure that she goes to the right side of of the Star Wars universe. So let's um, see. You sent one that said "Daddy's Little Sith." Yep. You sent another that said "I Sithed my pants." Yes, and then another that said "Come to the dark side." We have the best cookies. I think we have we have cookies. Yes. Yep. Yep. So yeah, yeah. Keith is doing everything he can to impression my daughter over the dark side. <laughs> so speaking of dark side, I I had an opportunity to you know sort of peruse your uh, YouTube channel which is a lot of fun and you've you've got not only the ghosted movie coming out in, mm -hmm. on october 1st um which is sort of a i wouldn't call it horror per se but it's certainly horror suspense comedy. yeah horror comedy yeah. uh but then you've got your other sort of 12 moon series that yeah. sacred moon series which are uh, along the occult side which i guess some people in this country would say is the dark side <laughs> uh what is what is what is your attraction to that those particular genres when you're doing your creative work? Um, oh, weird. I don't really know. I've all I've just always well, I've, I've been raised around horror and spooky stuff and weird stuff, so it just kind of all came naturally. And I think um, I just sort of gravitated toward horror a little more than anything else. And I, I really can't explain why. I guess I'm just weird and morbid. I don't. I don't know. I I just really love spooky stuff. So. <laughs> and we're not trying to psychologize here. We're not trying to yeah. like, get you to reveal some, you know, hidden trauma know, or anything like that. I get super deep and philosophical about like my horror philosophies, but I mean, we do we do have a time limit here. <laughs> so, no. That is true. That is true. A dissertation might take more than the hour prescribed for the show. Yeah. Uh, I, I do find it interesting. And of course, the imagery, I think, is always uh, quite entertaining as well. I mean, I, I don't think you're going to get that kind of uh, the imagery of, oh, what was the one with the uh, there, there was the short video where the, the creature brings you the orb after you cut the net oh, off of oh, his yeah, face. The hunger moon. The hunger yeah. moon, exactly. And uh, I thought that imagery is so really impactful as opposed to, I don't know, some Stepford Wives short that you might have done where it's just very plain and droll, you know. Well, I think, well, it's a lot like not comparing my work. I mean, I'm horror in general. I kind of like uh, try to follow sort of Guillermo del Toro's philosophies Ooh. or vibes in that like, Yes, horror can be absolutely horrific, but it's also so beautiful, even the grotesque. Um, so I really kind of try to follow that, and that's how I—that's how I view horror. I mean, watching any horror movie, I'm just sitting there most of the time, like, "Oh wow, that was beautiful," while someone's like, "Ooh, oh, blood." <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Um, let's see. So. The uh, the twelve sacred moon series. Um, you've, you've what was was there a favorite one of those that you did? One of the the cosplays in that uh, or the costumes that you designed? I'm, I'm assuming you did all the costumes for that. Yeah, my me and my mom and um, our friend who is a incredible artist. He actually did a, a animation for Lord of the Rings for the movies, and mm. all the back 
backgrounds for uh, the kids show Lazy Town. Um, mm. Wade Acuff, he helped us uh, with the with the Hunger Moon specifically, the one you just mentioned, our Wendigo. He uh, helped us design that. But um, yeah, we've done all the costumes. Was that the question? Did we do all the costumes? No, no. What, uh, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to yell into the mic. I was leaned forward. Um, <laughs> what was your What was your favorite of, favorite. of those? Um, I don't. I just got completely off track talking about my friend Wade. <laughs> my, <laughs> my favorite. Well, we're actually not finished with them because of COVID. We had to go on hiatus because the next mm -hmm. several we had full casts. It wasn't just like you know me and my boyfriend and Wade filming. Um, mm -hmm. But I think my favorite is probably a tie between uh, February's Hunger Moon and May's Flower Moon. Mm. Um, I don't, I don't know why. I just thought those were real pretty. <laughs> <laughs> the flower moon really reminded me of, uh, is it the movie that called solstice? I believe that's on Amazon prime that oh, is so midsummer. Oh yeah. Mid midsummer. That's right. That's yes, right. It's about yeah. the solstice, but that, that really was reminiscent of, of that. And it was heavily inspired by that. Um, it was inspired by that. And also the, um, the Empress Tarot card in uh, the, oh, the, nice. the Rongo Rider weight deck, which is like the, mm. when you think of tarot decks, it's that deck. Um, so the costume was done after what the Empress is wearing, basically. Um, but it was in, so definitely inspired by Midsummer and also a little bit by uh, Wizard of Oz. Um, mm. In the way we edited with like, it, it starts out sepia and then as she starts getting, the May Queen starts getting crowned, it goes to color. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, the 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 Rider weight deck is is definitely the most notable of of the tarot cards. Universal, mm -hmm. I think, is probably number two. My personal favorite, of course, is the Aleister Crowley Toth deck, which has oh, some amazing yeah. art Art Deco designs in it. If you ever do anything like that, I, I would definitely like to see that. I'll have to look that one. I think I've seen my, my mom might have that one, but she collects tarot cards. My mom does, so I just have my one. Uh, deck by Maggie Stiefvater, uh, who wrote mm -hmm. the Raven Cycle books and a ton of other really magical, fabulous books. Um, but I have her Raven Cycle themed one. So I didn't know we were yeah. going to talk about magic on here. <laughs> hey, we, we discuss all topics and I yeah. generally am, am read enough to, uh, on most topics to be able to have at least a, a general discussion of it. Yeah. So. I, I think it's it's really interesting, especially talking about Midsommar, how there's more horror coming out, especially out of like the A24 group where it's more thoughtful horror. Yes. It's, it lives yeah. in a psychological world, but you can start going in and breaking it down of like what the actual visual representation of everything going on stands for within this greater context of the movie. Yes. So it, it's cool that you're kind of going at that route from an even more independent DIY sort of place. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And um, yeah, I've really loved the the influx of I think Twitter's been calling it elevated horror, which yeah. I don't really agree with, because I think anything can be, you know, like, philosophical and interesting all the way down to, you know, like the worst Friday the 13th movie. <laughs> Fair. Mm. But I do really love everything A24 specifically has been putting out horror wise. It's been really incredible, I think. Totally. I'm I'm currently trying to watch The Lighthouse, which I'm a little over halfway through, and I really like it. Oh, man, it's crazy. I loved that one. Oh, I like that a lot. Um, 
that that's hitting in a place that guy's uh next one it's like viking themed and like bjork's gonna be playing like a high priestess of some sort and i'm like yeah sold count me in (laughs) yeah my god count me in i don't even really (laughs) like bjork but if she's gonna be in it i'm there Uh, it's gonna be crazy i'm excited no doubt So looking at the uh, the watch, it looks like we are at our 20 minute mark, which means that we are at the Tell Me Something Good segment. Tell me something good. So Yay. as the <laughs> guest, Cammie, uh, what is your otaku recommendation this week? Uh, my recommendation is the author Michael McDowell, um, who not a lot of people know, but a lot of people know some of his work. He actually wrote the original screenplays for uh, Beetlejuice and Nightmare Before Christmas. Ooh. He writes the most incredible paperback horror novel, or he wrote, he's since deceased, but um, his stuff is just absolutely incredible. Um, and I, in particular of his, I mean, read all of his stuff. That's my recommendation. But specifically, <laughs> uh, you should start with The Elementals by him. Okay. Uh, you want some fun southern spooky stories so i like it i'm always down for spooky stories and if they have a southern tinge even better they're really it's all of his stuff or most his stuff is set in like lower alabama kind of pensacola Mm -hmm. so it's all places i know so he'll like name something and i'm like ah i know where that is (laughs) it's fun (laughs) That's super fun because my dad's always, he's not a big reader, but he's always talked about how he likes John Grisham books because they deal with from where we're from. So I'm, we're from Jackson, Mississippi. I grew up on the coast, which is where the comic shop is. And that's where Cammie and her parents go to. But that, that area is where a lot of John Grisham novels are about. So my dad's always really enjoyed how that connection happens. He'll read something and go, oh, hell, I know where that is. Yeah, I think so. that's fun. I mean, well, it's like I always I don't want to be like too controversial on the podcast or anything, but I always I always get in debates and pit Michael McDowell against uh, Stephen King's work. Oh, um, that's fun. dangerous. I know you're in an it shirt and I'm a little scared. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, no, um, that man wrote that on cocaine. That's a completely <laughs> you can dispute the hell out of that book. Um. But I always pit their work against each other. And I think one of the main things that sells me more on Michael McDowell is that I can I like I can drive to everywhere he talks about in his books, whereas like I've never been to Maine. Fair. <laughs> I live in the South, <laughs> it's hot and it's sticky, which is scarier than being cold, okay? Oh, exactly. Exactly. Well, I tell you, some of that Spanish moss, though, you get you drive down some of those, you know, roads with Spanish moss hanging from the trees in the oh, south, yeah. and it it does it has a definite creepy feel to it that you cannot get anywhere else in the country. Definitely, for sure. And so it's kind of cool too. The 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 area that we Cami and I met at and hung out the most in, uh, it's it's about an hour and a half away from New Orleans, and that vibe still kind of bleeds over a little bit over there. I know I give yeah. Mississippi hell um, a lot when I talk about it, and it's a big part of why I moved. <laughs> but that little chunk of 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 the state is super cool and has a lot of like art culture, but it also kind of very easily picks up the spooky vibe like New Orleans does too. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's a different, it's, I mean, even because I'm in central Mississippi, like Jackson and stuff, and it's a completely different world from here to on the coast, for sure. Totally, totally. And it's only about three hours away from where you are. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check him out. Nice. Uh, what's your recommendation this week, Keith? Um, I think I'm going to go full circle uh, at this point because um, I haven't recommended an anime in a while. I'm going to recommend Vinland Saga. It is available on Amazon Prime, so you don't necessarily need a Crunchyroll uh, membership to view it. It is a. It will come across as very weird to I think a lot of people because it's actually about Vikings, um, all of whom speak Japanese because it's a Japanese anime. <laughs> so you see these, you know, Vikings speaking uh, Japanese, and it doesn't align. But it is is actually a really really good anime. Follows the life of um, Thorfinn Carl uh, Sefni. Um, he's a teenager who saw his father get killed by a guy whose company he eventually joins and they start um, they start sort of sacking England, uh, so to speak. Uh, meanwhile, Thorfinn is constantly planning his revenge against his his employer. Uh, but it's actually a very, very good uh, anime. The, the Vinland itself is named for uh, what is America, basically his uh, childhood uh, sort of old man character Leaf claims to have traveled to an area of the world called Vinland that was bountiful and warm, unlike the places where uh, Thorfinn grew up. So he always has this dream of traveling over to Vinland and coming to America, where he goes to Queens and tries to find his wife. Just kidding. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> that sounds awesome. That is, that is my recommendation for the week. How about yourself, Jesse? Um, I'm a little, I'm a little tied on this one. Uh, I'm having a hard time narrowing it down, but I think I'm going to recommend, uh, a, a book, a, a nonfiction book. So it is, it's called dark days by Randy Bly, who is the lead singer of the metal band lamb of God. Basically, uh, a few years ago. So I think around 2013, Randy and his band revisited Prague after a few years um, of their last tour. And Randy, uh, upon exiting the plane, was immediately detained um, and put into a Prague prison for potentially the the death of a fan at one of their shows a few years earlier. Um, and basically, this is a recounting of his time in prison. So basically the fan jumped up on stage, stage dived off um, and hit his head on a barrier and ended up dying. The The family was saying that Randy pushed him off the stage and, and in turn caused the death. So that's what he was detained for and had to go through a lengthy process. And I think about a year of prison time in Prague, um, what, where he had to, you know, plead his innocence and and share that you know this is a normal action within a metal show uh so i can't be at fault here um but it's really cool because he talks about his motivations inside and how if if this really comes down to it he's going to respect the judgment and not fight it because if that if this is what the family needs for closure then that's what he's going to do but it talks about like his mistreatments and interactions with other prisoners and stuff and it's 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 a really good read it's a little a little lengthy but uh, it's it's really good. So if you're a fan of the band or just 
interesting stories in general that that's my recommendation yeah that sounds fascinating it's really good and i'm not a i'm not a big reader but i i knocked it out in about a week and it's it's not like 100 pages it's like 600 700 that's very unlike me jesse jesse always says that he always says i'm not a big reader but i finished these two books this week so yeah yeah, right only (laughs) only when i was traveling on the train to go to work every day was i able to pound out books i haven't read a full book this year ah well you'll get there you'll get there yeah all right well great recommendations everyone and that is tell me something good so we we talked about horror a little bit um and I'm I'm kind of in the same boat as you, where I, I'm I really like horror movies, and I can't particularly explain why. It's not like I'm fascinated with death or anything. I experienced a lot of death as a kid, and way earlier than I should have. But like, I don't think that necessarily plays a role. But I find myself gravitating towards it. Now you go into a little bit more of an area that I don't necessarily go to because this starts rattling a chunk of my brain that I can't handle, and that being horror games. Yes. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love horror. Oh, I think it's I think the thing is it's I think anyone's fascination with horror is basically being scared safely. And I think that's True. one big horror games is that you're getting instead of just watching a movie like you know a horror movie you're getting to be in a horror movie but you're not going to get you know murdered or anything that's fair yeah so i think that's a big thing with horror so what kind of horror games are you playing what what did those look like oh my god i play a lot of um japanese horror games that's that's really mostly what I play. Um, I have been playing since quarantining stuff has started. I have been playing Friday the Thirteenth with a friend of mine, um, and it's so stupid, but it's so fun. <laughs> um, but mostly Japanese horror and a lot of weird, obscure like PlayStation One horror stuff. Much to my boyfriend who has to help me, you know, emulate it on my computers this May. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> but, uh, it- for for those who haven't played it, um, the Friday the 13th game is really interesting. It's an online multiplayer game, unless they mm-hmm. added single player and I'm unaware. Um, but basically, it's six people. Is that it? Yeah, yes. Something I like that. Six to eight, and then there's, you know, Jason. Okay. So basically, yeah. one person's Jason, and then there are however many camp counselors, and they go yeah. out into the world... <laughs> They have objectives that they have to hit or simply just survive. Yeah. And then the person playing Jason is basically they ha- he has to go find them all and kill them. So you you basically get the experience of what life is like through Jason's eyes. Yeah. And like he can teleport, but only within the confines of like a certain vicinity of a camp counselor or, you know. He has yeah. certain powers that he can control. It's really interesting. Well, it depends on the Jason too. Each Jason yes has its own different thing so i play part five as you should that's a yeah, good area of jason him. and i only play him because he can run all of the none of the other jasons can run and it's <laughs> such a pain <laughs> i am the worst jason though i'm terrible <laughs> did you ever see the movie uh behind the mask the rise of leslie vernon i don't I think, think i have. have i know what it is i I don't know if I've watched it. I do know what it is. 
it, it is a fun movie. I highly recommend it to you, Jesse, if you have not watched it. But it is about a documentary crew that is following a, a guy around who claims he is sort of the next Jason, uh, Leslie Vernon. And he's showing him all of his training that he does and all of the stuff that he, he, you know, little tricks that he he does. And so there is this one scene where he, he asks the documentary uh, reporter, uh, she, he's, he goes, um, I'm going to, I'm going to show you how I can keep up with you walking while you run. He goes, now I want you to go running in the opposite direction. And she just takes off. And while her head is turned away from him, he is just sprinting after her. But as soon as she turns her head back around, he, he sort of, he sort of uh, pauses into a walk and then she turns her head again and he runs, he sprints after her. And, you know, so the, the, the whole thing is she's just blown away by the fact that he's, he's all he's doing is walking in her eyes, but he's actually sprinting after her when she's not looking. But I highly recommend that movie to you if you haven't done that. Sorry to break uh, protocol again and do another Tell Me Something Good, but uh, I do recommend Behind the Mask. I need to check that out. That sounds awesome. I knew, I've heard about it and like read about it, but I don't, when you did just describe that, I was like, no, I don't think I have watched that. So I'm definitely going to watch that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a turn in it. So, but um, sorry, that's not a spoiler, but uh, yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> it, 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 it spoiler alert. There's an ending twist. There's a twist at the end. <laughs> Huge spoiler. <laughs> we grew up in a post M. Night Shyamalan world. We know twists happen. They're inevitable. And I think that's one of the things that I, I find difficult. For some reason, I have a difficult time with horror movies in general. I can suspend disbelief like no other when it comes to fantasy and sci-fi types of movies. But for some reason, I think my psychologically, my body doesn't want to let me suspend disbelief on horror films and so like when my friends want to go watch you know i don't know hereditary i'm sitting here the whole time going bah, ridiculous <laughs> but so when funny see, to me when, when i go see star wars i'm like oh he's got all the sith in him he, you know it's <laughs> yeah it's ridiculous it's ridiculous my I'm mission is to get you into more horror yeah. Hey, listen, I I I watched a ton of horror movies as, as a teenager. A yeah. ton. I've watched every Faces of Death there was, every other horror movie that came out. Uh, but for some reason as an adult, I just don't have the patience for it. So, you know, well, what can oh, you do? Let's do this because it's somewhat on topic. Did, have you watched, you've watched the Friday the 13th movies, right? All of them. Yes, of course. Okay. Everyone, favorite Friday the 13th movie and why? I'll go last. Um. I actually have not watched all of them yet. I've actually, I started, because Jason's never been like my guy in terms of slashers, but when I started playing with my friend at the beginning of quarantine, the game, I was like, oh, I should watch them so I know what any of this means. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to say the first one, which sounds really like, no, you've only watched the first one. And you're right, but... Um, I <laughs> First one, because I love Jason's mom. Jason didn't really do shit. It was all his mom. Exactly. <laughs> no one ever talks about her. I enjoy that. I, I, I appreciate this. So you're and more of a Pamela Voorhees fan. I play part five, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to get no. back to me when you get to that point, because that Jason's fun, but stuff starts getting really weird right then. Oh, yeah. No, I do. I do know some of the where it goes later on so gotcha yeah what about you keith favorite friday the 13th uh you know honestly it's it's a bit of a tie between the second one which was really the first official jason 
um, Friday the 13th. And maybe I'll be embarrassed by saying this later on after I try to rewatch this movie, but the uh, Friday the 13th, the final chapter, uh, which has a very, very young Corey Feldman in it. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, I just thought that was like a really um, interesting twist at the end there. I didn't like when it started going really, really just weird with Jason goes to Manhattan and Jason goes to hell and all this other stuff. It's Freddy versus Jason. Um, I, I, I watched them. I didn't like them as much. I felt like um, this was sort of the last one that was grounded in somewhat reality. uh, Yeah. You know? Yeah. So the final chapter, how about yourself? Okay. This is why I wanted to go last. (laughs) It's always for me been a tie between number three, which is the first appearance of the hockey mask and and three D and three D. So it's it's fun. My favorite one is Jason goes to Manhattan, the one that oh, everyone no. hates. I love that movie. It's so bad. Is that the it, one where like I see a GIF all the time of like Jason walking past some like teenage hooligans and like just like walks through a, a metal mailbox like you know, a drop-off box and it just explodes. Is that Yeah, that I, I think it's that one. I think <laughs> I it's that one. That. <laughs> but I mean, like, people are, like, super egotistical in it and trying to fight him and just, like, punching him in the face and it's not working. It's horrible. It's a terrible movie. It's so good. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh, Jason Goes to Hell is an abomination, though. Well, I'll, I'll make... I'll make one more recommendation since we're on the subject, but I would recommend checking out In Voorhees We Trust. It is a podcast uh, that is produced by uh, Matt Gorley, who you, if if you've ever listened to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, he is the producer mm-hmm. uh, for that show. And so he's got an entire uh, series on a podcast that is dedicated to the Friday the 13th series called In Voorhees We Trust. So check that out. Interesting. Keith, I think I've discovered that you're more of a Friday the 13th fan than I realized. (laughs) (laughs) I had no clue. Listen, I'm, I'm truly an otaku. There are moments in my life where I'm rapidly focused on just about anything you can imagine. So, uh, you know, just, you know, anime, absolutely. Manga. There was a period of time when I read manga, but I don't do it much now. Comic books. Absolutely. Horror films. Yes. Sci-fi. Yep. So I'm with you so leading leading off of the video game conversation and i mentioned it a little bit earlier when i was introing you about your death stranding pc yeah that that pc build comes off of a love for a particular person uh would would you elaborate a little bit on that oh man (laughs) um i just adore hideo kojima like my top tier ultimate life goal is to work with him on whatever i'll coffee run in his office i don't care (laughs) Uh, he's just i oh my god center hold on i'm just trying to make words oh no he's just (laughs) i think he's just brilliant i mean a lot of people get weird and butt hurt about like the uh the later metal gears and death stranding big time so like it doesn't make sense or it's like why would you want to play a, a walking simulator quote quote about a UPS guy? And it's just like <laughs> so much more and, and the cast and like, Oh my God. And I follow him on everything, obviously. Um, 
And also just as a person, I really like him. He seems really cool and really nice. And we have 10 jillion tons in common. So Hideo Kojima, not a sponsor yet. Yeah. Yet. <laughs> yet. We're working on it. <laughs> so it, it's really funny that, and, it, and that kind of, I guess, plays into what we were talking about with horror movies as well. So for those that don't know, Kojima is basically the creator of the Metal Gear Solid video game series, which is based off of the Escape from New York and L.A. movies, uh, more or less. At least the character of Snake is um, huge on the PlayStation one into even now the PlayStation four sort of I era. Say pretty much all the PlayStation. Pretty much. Um, but he worked for the company Konami that relationship continued to sour over the years as Konami tried to control Metal Gear a little bit too much. So he broke out a few years ago and created a game that, and correct me if I'm wrong, he created PT, correct? He did. He was, <clears throat> oh, excuse me. <clears throat> he was uh, going to be making the next installment to the Silent Hill franchise with Guillermo del Toro and Junji Ito. And uh, they put out PT, um, just playable trailer, if you didn't know that. I didn't actually know that when it came out. I, I did not was, know that. I thought that was code for something that was going to be in the game. And then I was like, oh, playable trailer. Makes sense. I'm uh, today years old when I learned yeah. that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they put out PT. And then God, I don't even think it was a month after it came out that he separated from Konami and... Uh, PT got taken off of the PlayStation store and stuff. So it was kind of like Flappy Bird, where if you had a PlayStation that had PT on yes. it, people were selling it. So. Yeah. Yep. But I mean, it's an absolutely terrifying demo, basically. Uh, it is horrific. It is crazy. And it has oh, this it was cult fan base that's really interesting, where they still have the game and they're breaking down the code and finding that the the woman that who's haunting the house that you're in is actually her, her actual physical game character is literally attached to yours and following you all the time. Yeah. So it's crazy. But then that evolved into what is now death stranding. Yes. Which well, is what, less. Yeah. which is what you're talking about, which is a game with yeah. Norman Reedus in it. Um, and it was, it's supposed to be this, you know, revolutionary game. But it's like Cammy said, it's it's a walking simulator, more or less, with an interesting Kojima story attached to it. To be, well, um, to be fair, I don't actually think that, that was a quote. Sure, sure, there. sure. People call it a walking sim, but <laughs> I think it's one of those situations where it has more subtext, like some of the yeah. movies we were talking about. Definitely, definitely, definitely. So well, what's... if it's got Junji Ito in it, then it's it's definitely uh, got some imagine uh, some unimaginably horrible things in it. I imagine because he's very well known as a manga ka as yeah. uh, as a horror manga ka and uh i've actually i think it was maybe last season or maybe the season before that i watched the junji ito collection which came out on crunchyroll yes, uh, yeah. which is which is pretty um you know japanese horror has always been very fascinating to me uh and in fact one of the horror films that came out um oh audition uh yeah. it, i i i've consciously decided not to date for a year after i watched that movie uh, <laughs> it's the only time in my life understandable for sure <laughs> it's the only time in my life that that decision was was conscious but uh anyway uh, yeah it, it, that was it, it, <laughs> i ghosted the world that year yeah thanks to audition <laughs> so 
it's really funny that you mentioned Junji because I, when I worked at Blockbuster before I kind of moved uh, or graduated college and you know moved out, all that jazz, uh, there was this this we had the foreign section which had some Japanese movies in it, and I apologized to everyone at the Ocean Springs Blockbuster. I bought all of them, so that section did not last. Um, but one <laughs> that I was not able to purchase was Uzumaki, yeah. which is based off of his his manga series which is crazy it's it's about people who become obsessed with spirals which is what uzumaki means in japanese uh so they're just obsessed with spirals and then spirals start taking over their bodies and stuff it's crazy uh so check out junji ito if you if you haven't but uh, regarding death stranding because i don't know how involved he was with death stranding but it does have he was in it actually. He he has a cameo because um, in Death Stranding you go to these different hubs and you deliver mm-hmm. stuff and um, you talk to a hologram of whoever is running that hub and he's one of the people that runs uh, one of the hubs. But um, other than that, he actually didn't have a hand in Death Stranding, which is surprising because the creatures in it are horrific. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now that game has a lot of really striking imagery and there's one thing in particular that i'm thinking of and it's what you've based your your pc around yeah. can you can you talk about what that is and why your pc is in, involved with this visual well it's uh it's based my pc was built to look vaguely like a uh, bb which stands for bridge baby and oh god i'm trying to figure out how to describe this <laughs> in like without the context of the game. <laughs> um, <laughs> basically, bridge babies are dead babies in a, in a pod thing that the person wears and hooks up to, and it can detect the monsters in the game. And um, it also has a connection to this place called the beach, which is kind of like limbo, I think is the best way to describe it. Um, but uh, it's just this this baby in this little orange light up Pod thing, and that's what I built my computer after we uh, we had to we uh we pre-ordered the special edition um, Death Stranding stuff, and uh, we accidentally ordered two, so we had an extra extra bridge baby floating around. So I took it apart and shoved it in my PC. <laughs> and it's really funny. Like her and her boyfriend built a PC. They put the, the the bridge baby inside the PC, which has the orange acrylic shell in it, posted yep. a picture of it online, and within 24 hours, the, the gaming the PC gaming world went nuts. It was insane. I, di- I didn't expect any response, actually. Like, the only response I really expected was um, the, uh, the guy... Was Kojima. Played- well, yeah. <laughs> Please, sir. Um, <laughs> but no, um, actually, I had interacted... Uh, a handful of times on uh, Twitter with the guy that plays Die Hardman in Death Stranding and the guy that does the voice of Hartman in Death Stranding. Um, and so like I tagged them in it and I was like, well, I know for a fact they're going to respond because they're just two of the nicest dudes I've ever spoken to on the internet. <laughs> um, they did, but then it, it then there were articles written and it just went crazy. <laughs> I mean, you had one on like Game Radar, I think, yeah. and PC World, like, holy crap. Yeah, it got to when it happened. Uh, me and my boyfriend were at work because he's I work for him, um, 
had a warehouse. Um, that's not fun. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> it's not geeky. <laughs> um, actually, it's very geeky. It's computers. Anyway, not talking about that. <laughs> and uh, his um, his friend, who also works with us, but not in the building, like called us and he was like, "Yo, I just saw your computer on like blah blah blah, whatever you know sites he follows." And we were like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was a crazy like day and a half <laughs> that's so funny i can't even imagine building a pc with just a bizarre fun gimmick like that and all of a sudden my my twitter's blowing up because <laughs> there's articles about me yeah and i'm sitting here considering uh building my next system because i i generally when i build when i have a desktop i've built it it's not i don't like to buy desktops yeah um so um, now I've got to think about some interesting things I can do with my yeah, build. Gotta do something crazy. <laughs> Same. I've I've been thinking about building one myself. My wife built one, or had basically had someone build the specs that she she provided when quarantine first started. So she was like, "Oh, I'm gonna use this time to game whenever uh, the kiddo's asleep." And then it yeah. took three months for the PC to get here, and she was off maternity leave. So. <laughs> Um, so that it didn't work out. I felt like I cheated when I built mine because it was all like my boyfriend's old parts because he upgraded. So I got basically the inside of his old computer and he replaced everything. So I kind of felt like I cheated because I remember him waiting for like forever for, you know, parts to restock or something to come out and all this. And he was just like, here's this. Put it together. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And it took like a day. <laughs> <laughs> and then you yeah, got a bunch actually... of news coverage. <laughs> And then, of course, during the pandemic, at least at the early part of the pandemic, everyone was doing this. Everyone was like buying up computer parts and building yes. better systems since they were, they were home more often. Uh, yeah. And there was, this, of course, a shortage of um, certain components. Now I think it's it's uh, the the supply lines have picked back up and it yeah, should be even back out a easier. Yeah, I hope so because I really need to get this done. My my older system, I built it in 2010, so it's 10 years old. Oh. And it's done really well. <laughs> it still has a disk drive, doesn't it? Uh, it? Well, are you talking about the storage drive? Yeah, I, I do have a disk storage drive because it was like five terabytes. But No, yeah. I meant like a physical so like CD drive. In. Yeah. Uh, it does. Yes, it has yeah. a CD drive in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what's up. I'm, tr I'm trying to think if I put a three and a half in there or not. Oh, my God. If you didn't, no, I didn't. <laughs> Oh, sir. <laughs> the the, the just, king of backwards compatible PC builds. Exactly. You know, just in case Windows ever started pushing out updates and, and huge boxes of, uh, you know, three and a half inch floppies. Didn't their new uh, their new flight simulator game, can't you buy that on like a hundred something floppy disks or something? Oh, my God. Am I making that up? I, I, I'm sure somebody made it up, but, you know, I can't imagine that, you know. They would do that. Right, though, because, like, I, I mean, I remember the, the flight simulators coming out and it would be several discs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like just tradition, they should do that. I, I think their new one that they just came out with that, like, uses actual map integration. So it's like yeah. real world. I think they made a special edition version where you can buy it on floppy disk. And it's this ungodly amount of floppy disks. I love yeah, it. I mean. If you think about it, like even like electric cars are, are judged based on their horsepower. Okay. We haven't used horses in how long <laughs> and we're still judging cars on horsepower. So yeah. why not judge like how big a file is based on the number of floppies it would take? Totally. I completely agree. I, so, you know, 
Oh, that's that is a that's a thousand floppy uh, <laughs> game that you're playing there, isn't it? Screw uh, bits, screw bytes, screw <laughs> terabytes. Fuck all that. We're going to the actual floppy uh, metric. Yeah, even the Falcon, uh, the Falcon launch, uh, the the rockets coming mm-hmm. out of SpaceX, right? There, they will tell you how many horsepowers those rockets are. Uh, okay, horses haven't gone to space. Horses aren't going horses. to the moon. <laughs> I mean, can you really line up 20,000 horses and have them jump into space? No, you can't. You can't. But yet we do it. It's an inaccurate measure. (laughs) (laughs) They're deceiving us. Mm. True Uh, Darksiders. The Matrix. It looks like we are at the lightning round. Lightning round. All right. This is our segment of the show where we ask the exact same questions of every single guest and um who knows what this will accomplish but we do it anyway because we like to say lightning and then we have a crackle of lightning so all right and uh are you ready for the lightning round Kenny? yes go for it all right how do you think your hobbies have contributed to your success in your full-time work um well i i don't think I would be able to do it's more than half of the stuff I do on my films if I hadn't cosplayed for the number of years that I have. I mean, I can do all my effects on my own without having to get too many other people involved. I can do some computery stuff from, you know, editing pictures and doing whatever. So I, I think without having cosplayed, I wouldn't be where I am right now being able to do what I'm doing. So Nice. I think that <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you could be now, this this may be difficult because you basically your hobby is being fictional characters. But <laughs> if you could one fictional character, who would it be? Um, I would pro I would probably definitely. Well, I'm already basically there. I would want to be Blue Sergeant from Maggie Stiefvater's The Raven Cycle series. Um, <laughs> she's just this little punk ass kid who makes all her own clothes and hangs out with a bunch of prep school boys and gives them just so much shit all the time. And she lives in a house full of psychics, but she's the only one that's not psychic. And uh, she's just a badass. I love her. And I mean, I'm basically already halfway to being her. So. (laughs) Ah, very good. And finally, what other interests would you like to pursue if time wasn't a constraint? Ooh. I oh my god I don't know because I kind of if anything catches my fancy I try to do it like no matter what um oh my god I don't know how I don't know um well actually recently I've gotten really invested in watching videos about um two two different things not together about ballet and jujitsu <laughs> so <laughs> I guess if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic and I could go places I would be do I would want to do those two things so no, okay so you would you would be the female jean-claude van damme gotcha yeah yep totally get Dance your hips and surgically all. broken <laughs> <laughs> great well thank you that's uh that was a great lightning round <laughs> so it's looking like we're we're about at time um but if if anyone wanted to kind of take a look at your your past cosplay experiences or or watching your your films, where would you where would one do that, Cammy? 
Um, basically on every social media platform, and it's all just under Cami Roebuck. Um, and uh, all my films are on YouTube, and uh, I think pretty much all of my cosplay pictures of any sort are on Facebook. And then it's a mix of both on Instagram and Twitter. So, yeah. Oh, also, cool. I actually have a small thing to to promote really quick. Yeah, go for okay. it. Um, you can also see a film that I'm in uh, called Sister Tempest by Joe Badon um, at a, just a butt ton of festivals that has been it's been accepted into. So, um, yeah, I've, I've been posting about that. So actually, if you go to my social media, you can see where all that's showing. And I think because of the pandemic, it's all virtual this year anyway. So you can be anywhere and watch Sister Tempest. <laughs> so. That's the one with you with a neck brace on, correct? Yes. Yep. And it's, it's yeah. like a weird sci-fi um, love child of John Waters and David Lynch is the best way <laughs> nice. I can describe Joe Badon's work. It was a blast. <laughs> that's so fantastic. Plus you had... Plus, in less than a month, you have your premiere of Ghosted coming out on yeah. your own YouTube oh, yeah. channel. Sure do. Super excited awesome. for that. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Well, good luck to you on both fronts on that. Thank you. <laughs> so we'll make sure to get some links from you so that uh, we can we can make that easily accessible for everyone in the show notes. So everyone go yeah. check it out. Her, yeah. her films are incredible. Um, <laughs> highly recommend uh, there you go last otaku recommendation of the week is cami's films yeah cool well with that thank you so much for being on the show yeah thank you for having me it was super awesome yeah it was a pleasure so until next time yay <laughs> this has been the austin otaku podcast to learn more about us and our show to be a guest or to subscribe to our show, go to www.austinotaku.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter.